May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There's a story told about St. Lawrence. He was uh, a deacon in the very early church and along with other Christians of that time suffered persecution under the Roman Empire and was brought to trial and was martyred. When he was brought before the authorities, he uh, was commanded to bring the treasures of the church. As a deacon, as well as being um, responsible with others for the care of the vulnerable ones in the community, he was also responsible for the resources that the church owned. And the authorities wanted to take those resources. So they told him, to bring the treasures of the church here. Lawrence, being a man of God's kingdom, went out and gathered all the poor people that he knew and brought them to the emperor. And he said, these are the treasures of the church. Today's gospel reading is one of those ones that uh, it's very hard to find the way through. There are lots of things that don't quite add up. It's a little bit like on Friday when we were doing the crossword down hanger, and there was a word there that we had to find with six letters in it, and the clue was astute. Eventually, we came up with the right answer. It fitted the other words, but we weren't very happy with the solution. The answer was shrewd. Now, the word shrewd tends to have negative connotations conveying someone who's crafty and sly and does things in a nefarious way. Whereas astute usually has a more positive connotation with qualities like discernment and wisdom. And it's interesting to know that the word that is translated as the shrewd manager in today's gospel is translated with both those words. So perhaps even though we tend to think of this character at the centre of today's story as being um, a person who we would consider was unethical. Perhaps, indeed, the story has told us to him being someone who was astute, wise, discerning. It is hard to reconcile the story of the shrewd manager with the gospel that Jesus taught about God's kingdom being about self-giving and humility, where wealth and status are not to be valued. So why does Luke include this story in his gospel? Well, to begin with, a little thing that I noticed is how finely crafted Luke's gospel is. Everything has its place. To begin with, this story is a bridge a bridge between the story that comes directly before it, a story of the prodigal son at the end of chapter 15. So after that story, and before the next story, which we'll have as our gospel next week, which is the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man who paid no attention to Lazarus, who was poor, and then in the next life, they had a very different situation. I won't spoil the story. Like the prodigal son in the preceding story, the dishonest manager is described as having squandered what was entrusted to him. And then, 
Like the story of the rich man and Lazarus which follows, this parable begins with the phrase, there was a rich man. So, we know that these stories have something to do with wealth and money. But actually we need to stop and think about who Jesus was addressing with these stories. In fact, the very next verse after today's Gospel says, the scribes and the Pharisees liked money. So we know that he was speaking into that piece of their character. But much more we know from the exploring of those other stories that come on either side of today's Gospel, that Jesus was addressing the religious leaders and their criticism of him for spending time with outcasts and sinners. These religious leaders consider these sinners and outcasts, these tax collectors and prostitutes to be the very last in the kingdom of heaven. Even worse, that Jesus by associating with them will become tainted. That it will put him out of relationship with God and God's people. Jesus in these parables, including today's, is challenging their worldview, turning it upside down and saying, all are welcome, even the rogues and rascals. Central to the story, of course, is the fact that the rogue had no authority to go and do what he did. He went off and changed all of those dockets of debt, cancelling them or cutting them down. It was outrageous behaviour. But Luke has been telling us that Jesus' behaviour was also outrageous. He's been going around forgiving people and healing those who don't deserve it, welcoming sinners and declaring God's forgiveness to everybody, regardless of who they are and what they've done. Jesus, indeed himself, is kind of a rogue in the system. So perhaps by using this story, Luke is trying to show us just how scandalous Jesus seemed to these people by scandalising us. It is likely that the story of the rogue manager was a popular story of Jesus' time. And Jesus took that story and used it to confront his opponents. He is like the rogue whom the religious leaders accuse of being unauthorised to forgive debts. But Jesus asserts, that he does this with God's approval. Just as the master who praised the sacked manager claimed praise, sorry, just as the master praised the sacked manager, so Jesus claims that God will approve this ministry and this radical generosity. God is that generous. And Jesus is his legitimate agent. You could say that Jesus <coughs> is asserting the roguery of grace. The parable is defiant. In the face of criticism that Jesus has been receiving, he is subverting the normal values which determine who is valuable and who is not. He is saying, there is no such thing as someone who is more valuable than someone else. Even the rogues are valued by God. Of course, today's Gospel doesn't want to affirm the use of money to oppress people. Jesus knew that many people of his time were oppressed by systems that had taken away their land and their employment 
and their property. He knew what was going on. He was also addressing in this story those issues. Because the proclamation of the kingdom was meant to be good news for the poor, was supposed to bring them blessing. Because when we hear the word blessing, we often think of external things. And in fact, in the time of Jesus, people considered that good fortune was a sign of God's blessing. And those who were poor and those who had little were in some way cursed by God. But again, Jesus is turning this idea on its head. Blessing for him is giving them, giving us the resources to be able to stand in that place of belonging, in that place of welcome and forgiveness, and to be able to relate to one another, not seeing ourselves as poor or rich, but simply as God's children who care for one another. Jesus points out that the children of this world are more shrewd with money than children of the light. And so in this statement, there is the reminder to walk in the light. However, I think there's also this other prompt or prod from Jesus. These children of the world who use money shrewdly and often unethically are very committed to what they do. Perhaps the children of the light are leaning back and waiting for God to do things instead of stepping in and being part of the work of God. Money itself is not evil. It's what we do with it that can be evil. So we are called to use what is given to us, the resources that God has given to us, in a way that reflects God's kingdom. God's realm, of course, is not about accumulating wealth. It is about relationships and about our interactions with others. We are challenged to ensure that when we are given wealth, either material wealth or educational wealth or relational wealth, that we use that and the power that it brings for the good of all. Wealth and exploitation are not simply a moral issue for us, but also something central to the gospel because they are so often used as an excuse to write people off. No one is to be written off. All can receive the divine grace that cancels out prejudice and judgment. Those things that we do day by day by day, which cut us off or others off from God's love, even those things are written off by the roguery of divine grace. We do not have to become good to be part of God's realm. We simply have to accept that this is whose we are. And in stepping up and saying we are God's own and we choose to live in partnership with this God of roguish grace, it will mean that we come face to face with the other gods that seek to lead us in a different direction. 
So I want to come all the way back to that first story that I told you, a story about Lawrence and the treasures of the church. In our readings today, we hear that God lifts up the poor from the dust and the needy from the ash heap. And we hear in our epistle reading that we are to pray for all, including kings and those in high positions. It's very easy for us to become polarised, to either be seeking to be lifted up into places of status in our society and be seen as good and righteous, to seek those things which the world considers powerful and bringing us status. Or we can decide that's not right, that's not for us. We, like God, befriend the poor. And we're going to turn our back on all of that and be amongst those who are vulnerable only. But that is not the realm of God. Yes, those who are vulnerable have very important lessons for us to learn. We have important lessons to learn from our own vulnerability about being God's own. But everybody is at the table. All are welcome and forgiven. All have the gift of grace. So my final challenge is for us to think about maybe the rogues in our lives or the people who we find it hard to love. Those people who we would write off. Those people who we might catch ourselves agreeing with others are either a waste of time or are too wicked for us to consider one of God's children. And to notice that reaction within ourselves and to ask ourselves and ask God's Spirit, what is it that this person may have to teach us about God's grace today?